Welcome to the Meeple Syrup After Show, Designers Discussing Design. We're on episode 91 and also step 91. That's right, profit. We're talking about games, creation, and are you creating for the sake and passion of uh, fun, or are you doing it for commerce, or how does that combination work together? You know, is it a hobby? Is it a job? Is it a bit of both? Um what what did you think from our from our episode send anything stand out to you well i mean i'll say that i think those are two passionate dudes um who are doing it not for money but the fact that money's coming in is definitely helping them uh live the life that they want to live and coming to a point where i think you get that feedback that this what i'm doing must be worth something because i'm getting paid for it so it's valuable in some regards and I think for a lot of us, that's kind of all we need. It's just, you know, when you make that jump like Joey did to doing it full time, sure. um, that that becomes the issue. You as well, right? I mean, you're kind of doing this as much as you can. Yep. So there becomes a time when profit may mean more than passion for you. I don't know. What do you, well, I mean, for you, it's very much on, not very much on the profit side, but it must be a little bit more on the profit side now that you've, kind of committed to doing this for yet another year with mm -hmm. uh, no outside source of income yeah i mean uh each year it gets a little bit more sustainable uh as they were talking about i think i think joey gave sound advice especially early on don't count like on any of the money because it it is a process it does take you know a couple years for a game to come through so even even though i've thankfully had a really good year of signing games you know, I'm still, I only have four games out. And uh, so, you know, you're not seeing anything when it comes to uh, financial support beyond an advance until games start coming out. And then even when they do, they, you know, we have a very uh, saturated market. So good games uh, often are, are missed. I, I, I truly believe that it's more than just a good game. You need you need luck. You need a few things to go your way. You need companies to do great marketing. You need reviewers to notice and and kind of megaphone uh, games. So you know you need a lot of things to go right for a game to even get into the profit side of things. Uh, and then and then you need a game to really be loved for it to be significant for it to be a kind of a life game changer when it comes to finances. So I, I, I really do appreciate uh, Joey kind of uh, reminding people that there's, there's not a lot of profit to be seen on the front end early on. Now, um, some of the uh, designers that have been doing it a long time or have some evergreen titles, that that's significant. And I also, uh, for me, a big change is being able to do some development just like Joey's talking about some of that steady flow, I, you know, for me, I'm doing consulting work and doing some development for IDW. And and uh, Joey was mentioning he's doing, you know, a variety of work either uh, on game specific or for certain companies. So um, I think I think that helps, you know, sustain yourself in the industry mm -hmm. uh, versus needing to have a job or needing to have a means to be able to do it. To, spend, to invest the time. Now, uh, when when I first got into design, I was doing it on the side, and I, th that was very enjoyable as well. But it, it's a different pace of of what you can design, and it's also um, 
you know, they talked about a fear. There's a different stress that's involved when you're doing it on the side versus doing it and depending on it. So right. I think those are realistic factors that people should consider. For sure. Um, I mean, it becomes a little game in all of it all of its own, right? It's yep. like, are you balancing your life commitments and your job commitments and your family commitments versus your game design commitments if you're doing it on the side? Or are you just saying, okay, we're going to have to you know, learn how to subside on this much income because I'm doing this as a full-time game designer. So we yep. got to game the other side of the system a little bit. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, I, I get it from both sides. Um, I've just never been one to jump. I think that's right. the problem, right? Uh, for me... Um, because, you know, I spent nine or 10 years in school to get my degree and, um, I'm very proficient at what I do <laughs> in work that it's always been problematic for me to do anything outside of that in terms of resolving in my head that, oh, I should throw away that, you know, nine years and, you know, umpteen thousand dollars worth of education to go pursue something that may not do anything uh, other than make me very happy. And it's not that I'm not happy at my job. I love my job. Um, but, you know, I'm in a position that's a little bit weird. Not weird, but I mean, it's probably very relative to a lot of people. Yep. Maybe not on this particular show that we just had, because I think I'm the only one that has kids. Uh, but I have kids, you know, a wife, a mortgage, cars, payments, all this type of stuff that needs to be dealt with. And so for me to make the jump over that question that Dave Tome had in terms of what's the tipping point where you say, yeah, I can now do this full time. Yeah. Um, well, when it can replace, uh, you know, a college professor's salary, then, you know, that would be the, maybe the time when I could say, yeah, I'll do this full time. Or when I retire, obviously, this is what I'm going to be doing. For um, sure. But retirement's a little ways, a little ways off. I know I don't look that old, but I, I am quite old. Well, one, <laughs> one, one topic that we talked about, which I think is really relevant, and, and I know you want to circle around to as well, I do as well, is advances. Mm -hmm. uh, we, talked, we talked a little bit about advances. I, I can personally say, um, and I'll share a story. I won't name the publisher, but uh, uh, I, I remember actually having a conversation with a publisher. This was especially uh, not this year, but last year where I was basically living from advance to advance to be able to pay for going to shows or different things like that. And I really think attending conventions is important if you're looking for uh, opportunities and, and chances to pitch. And so I had said to this one publisher that was interested in the game, you know, I really need an advance to pay for the fact that, you know, I was at this show and they liked the game and they wanted it. And they were pretty adamant about that they couldn't do an advance or... Mm -hmm. um, and and I think there's a difference, and there uh, when it comes to and and the benefits and cons to when you are dependent on things like advances. So, for instance, realistically, that publisher at that time um, needed designers that were doing it as a hobby. I mean, the realistic thing was they needed designers that that didn't need an advance, so that you know, they were still going to honor and make great games. But the minute they ran into people like me that were really dependent on advances, um, they just weren't at that time built to, to be able to afford it. And Joey mentioned that too, that there's a lot of companies that advances are quite a stretch for. Uh, yep. so, so that was a season while on the flip side. Now, I still believe in advances for a different reason, not because I'm dependent on it. I think that it, it gets a, a publisher committed in a way that they're still going to be motivated and it protects everyone involved because it's, it's saying a bit of a value statement, but I don't, I don't need it as much. So I might even be more open to negotiating a royalty 
versus an advance. Yeah. I mean, my, my common my common recommendation is uh, always go long tail. Yeah. Um, I would prefer to not need an advance. Yeah. I, I don't personally need an advance. Jay doesn't yeah. personally need an advance. We're both yeah. employed individuals. So we don't need an advance to subside. We want an advance to show that there is good faith yeah. uh, between the designer and the publisher, that, this is, that the publisher honors um, their commitment to things that you know we have that they they recognize the value in the work that we put in before and the work that we're probably going to do coming into this right i mean we yeah. don't just sign something and let it go if yeah. they have problems we want them to come to us about those problems so we can make the changes i mean we've been bitten a few times in terms of companies godzilla's leg just fell off godzilla's oh. leg just uh, in terms of companies that haven't come back to us and then ended up putting out a product that was not what we intended yeah. Uh, we've also had problems with companies that have that we've said, yeah, yeah, let's not do an advance, and then they've dropped it, they've dropped right. the ball, um, yeah. to the point where it's like disappointing, um, not because of the product itself not getting out there, but just that you know if there was some skin in the game, like I said before, yeah. maybe this wouldn't have happened, um, and it's it's that kind of trust. There's a lot of power on the side of the publisher. Yep. A lot of power on the side of the publisher. And so the power differential creates this relationship that doesn't necessarily need to be there, right? And this right. adversarial uh, thing and amongst a bunch of game players. That's the bad yeah. part, right? Sure. So, I mean, in regards to the, the publisher that you were talking about, I mean, obviously I know who it is, um, that if you just go into the situation uh, saying that, you know, no, we can't offer advances. If you need an advance, I'm sorry, we can't make a deal with you. Um, no hard feelings. See you later. Yeah, exactly. So much better than fighting a fight For about sure. it. Well, right? and, and you know what's interesting? Um, since then, I did, I, I've done work with another publisher, and it was interesting because they had an, they did that right up from the get go. You know, they are a company that does not do advances. Right. And um, the interesting thing was that then alternative options were able to be figured out. So, for right. instance, uh, with uh, another company that I have a couple games with, uh, we determined a kill switch. And so we determined, yeah. you know, when is a reasonable time so that they still have some buffer if something goes wrong, but what's a reasonable expectation of when they would start production? And for, for me, it was, you know, I don't want to actually have the contract trap a publisher into producing too fast. I want them to produce however, you know, however long it takes. But I do want to know, you know, you're starting to make the game. You're starting to invest right. in it. Yeah. And so how long is it going to take before it hits your queue in production if it doesn't i'd like the game back and i'd like to be compensated for the time lost right so figuring out a kill switch so that you know there's no advance but there's still that commitment to make the game in a reasonable time and a way to be compensated for time that's lost still is a way for for a publisher to show a commitment right the game. Because i think that's all it all that is the advance is just another form of commitment it just requires finances up front which a lot of companies if they're having cash flow issues, and that's somewhat why Kickstarter exists, yep. maybe problematic. And I mean, you could do it through Kickstarter as well. You could say, like, you know, yes, you'll get paid immediately when the Kickstarter funds of right. X number of dollars, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And then then have a, a tail for retail, right, for the, the residuals. Um, there's ways to do it all to make everybody kind of win in the situation. There's honestly, 
if something is a success, there's more than enough money to go around. Yep. It just needs to be done in a way that I think everybody is getting what they need. And part of the other issue, I think, is that a lot of a lot of people play very, things very close to their chest, like as if it's some sort mm -hmm. of secret. Um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a secret. No, it doesn't. Um, like there's say, what, say what you need, say what your concerns are, and then just work it out. I mean, if you just have some nice open communication, everyone involved is, <clears throat> is actually with the, you know, the goal of trying to find a, a reasonable uh, contract that everyone, you know, win-win. Right, because that's all we want is something that's reasonable and protects. The contract protects everybody. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't, you should not not try to game a contract so that it's all in the benefit of you, whether you're the publisher or the designer. That's not the purpose of the contract. The purpose no. of the contract is to establish a trust between you and the other party that this thing will get done. And for us on the designer side, um, you know, publishers, and most of them are gamers or game designers at some level that, or one day were or want to be or have, have to realize that that is our bread and butter. That's our product. And if that product does not go to market, yep. we've just lost that on all the lead time and mm -hmm. now have to start from scratch. And like Adam said, you know, some other product might come up that is just like it or in between you getting it to market and things like that. And so what yep. are the options? What are the kill switches for that? Um, and what happens because of it? I mean, there's a whole bunch of serendipitous things that have happened to me because games have been killed. Uh, so, I mean, you know, obvious uh, junk art's a good story for that. Yep. Uh, junk art got killed. Um, it originally was signed to another company other than Pretzel, and they wanted to kickstart it back when Kickstarter was a thing. Yeah, just uh, started. A real big, like a real new thing. And mm -hmm. what happened was that another game came out and failed that was very similar, not exactly the same, as yep. as junk art. Um, and it failed dramatically. Um, and so the publisher got pretty gun shy about it and took it off Kickstarter, you know, said, we can't do it. We don't want to do it anymore. And, you know, at the time, because it was such a big kind of, um, hey, let's do this and, oh, let's not do this. And in that matter of time, it wasn't a big deal that we didn't get it in advance. Um, and it got signed eventually. And the funny thing is that it got signed with an advance and then got published like years, years, years later because they had to figure out a whole bunch of other things to make it happen. And in the end, it's it's become one of our best-selling games ever. For sure. So a lot of nice things happen because of it, but over the course of, like, you know, 11 years, 7 yep. years. I can't remember how long it was, but a long, long time. Longer than it possibly could have, uh, but in the end, it's okay. Uh, and so, you know, I'm not saying that advances are something that we wouldn't have wanted back then. We probably should, we still would have wanted it back then. Um, it's just sometimes happy things do happen because games get killed and you know there's a lot of other stuff that happens um where games get killed for the right reason i think um or the publisher decides not to do it for the right reason and that's okay as long as everybody walks away from the table okay uh, and i think that's where the compensation comes in from daryl's point of view right that if you had my game for more than x months and you do nothing with it I need something because I need to then go to another convention and repitch the game. Not because of something I did, but because of something you did or you didn't do, right? And I think that's where the contract should protect us as the designers uh, in terms of really 
giving us that that financial buffer. This isn't to make me money. This this the advance isn't to make me money to live off of. The advance is to value my time. It's to say I put this much effort into getting you this game to this far, and I'm committed for the rest of the way. If you are, but if you decide not to publish it for whatever reason, that's on you, not on me. And that money therefore comes back to me or should be mine to therefore go out and do the thing I need to do to get my product back. That's really all it is. Absolutely. Uh, we got a we got a little chatter going on in the YouTube, so I want to bring that up. And the other thing I'm thinking I'd like to chat about just quick because uh, yeah. it came up, and it'll be also kind of an, uh, a preview for next week, is this topic of self-promotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to be talking it more fully uh, next week about kind of branding yourself as a designer, but I'd love to go there. But before we do, uh, a couple things. Uh, Matt Dunstan has a few questions I, I think we could uh, talk about one was uh, what do you guys think about Patreon as a source of income for game designers? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, son? Uh, well, any of those like Patreon's cool. Uh, it just requires that you give something mm-hmm. back, right? Uh, and as a game designer, I don't know what that could be other than more games, right? Um, actually, you know, Dan Solis does it where he gives icons and things like that. So you're really actually paying him for his icons. Um, there are some people out there who probably do uh, content in terms of, you know, writing blog posts, in terms of writing things, or maybe, uh, you know, if you hit a certain amount, then you'll release a print and play version of something. I think that's all really cool. Uh, for me, as a person who doesn't have the time to do that, it's not cool because then I would feel really indebted, really yeah. indebted. Unless there's something that I could think, hey, we could do that in terms of whatever. I mean, it'd be okay for maple syrup. Yeah. Because then we just make more episodes. Yeah. And that's fine for Maple Syrup. But for me personally, as a game designer, yeah. I would feel way too pressured to create something. Uh, yeah. Some of my friends who are comic book artists, they just, you know, give out pages of their art. Yeah. Uh, and people like that. And that's great because that's something they can do that doesn't necessarily, necessarily take them as much time as it does for me to design a whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, I could give you a meeple, but that's not really helping you, is it? Um, And not really worth your funding. Uh, So content creation, um, giving something that, you know, takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort, but not so much that it takes away from everything else. I think that's where it becomes the hard line. Um, For content creators like... um, I think Chris uh, and Susan Zinsley did an amazing job for Cardboard Edison. Their Patreon, you know... uh, pays off in spades in terms of what you get for the dollar or 50 or two dollars that you donate uh, yep. and so does uh, dfw yep. um so all the content that they create is fueled by patreon so i don't think patreon's a bad thing at all i just think it's no. not necessarily the right way for a game designer who's who doesn't have the other avenues of creating stuff yeah to, to do it in a way that's meaningful i'm still i'm still actually waiting for someone to do this and i've been thinking about it ever since uh seeing rob lundy doing his live art for games but i'm still waiting to see if there's a designer out there who decides to do live broadcasting of the design their design process like i'm still waiting for that person who basically does the truman the truman show somebody wants Um, to sit and watch me input numbers into a spreadsheet you can definitely pay me but i don't know how much fun you're gonna have I, I still think there's a there's a, a someone out there that'll end up being the the Patreon version of that. I I I saw a, a tiny example of it 
even I was browsing BGG last night and I noticed that Chris, uh, Chris Leader, the designer of Vast, has a new game called The Deep. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so he has an ongoing playtest, uh, f- like, kind of a forum, basically, of like, oh, and this is, you know, playtest six. And because we ran into this, these are the design changes I'm making. And then we went into seven. And so because he's being so transparent with the entire evolution of that game, I think engagement's going to be really high when that game comes out. Yeah, I, it could feel, very well be. feel a part of the journey. And, and I think that's another way you could go is uh, either content or really kind of, and Rob does this too, Rob Lundy, he exposes and gives you kind of a window into his life so that while he's doing his work, he's really, I mean, you're really paying for having a window into his life. And he's, he's, his sacrifice is his vulnerability. Yeah. Is that you're, you're along the journey with him. And uh, I highly recommend if, if you're, especially if you're an artist and you have any, um, aspirations to 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 do that in the board game realm uh watch rob lundy on twitch it's molten inc i'm a big fan of that and it's very inspiring just to see his process but um i think that there's room for that Mm -hmm. uh you're exactly right though um you expose yourself to criticism you expose yourself to decisions that aren't yours that then somehow people force on you so kickstarter yeah. did the same thing i mean you get people who are paying you money and then they therefore think that they have say in the final product which is weird honestly yeah. it's a weird thing for me to do that whenever totally, I, so. I mean and i did donate to a kickstarter i think of it as yeah i'm getting a game in. i'll see you in you know a year i'll see that game yeah. in a year and i'm happy with that i trust everybody in the process otherwise i wouldn't have you know put my 25 bucks in as at all yep. so i have i have some problems with how people use kickstarter sure on both ends right i have it on, on both, both ends, ends so for sure. it's for sure. problematic all right I, and another i think this is related um uh, matthew dunson also asked me uh do you think i'm more efficient as a game designer part-time or full-time uh, i think that's a really interesting question i think mm-hmm. uh um it's funny uh right now uh, I would answer when I was just freelance full-time game design, I was uh, exploding with ideas and very flexible to work with people. Um, it's interesting now when I have a development calendar that I'm also kind of focused on because even though that's half my time, because that's a creative venture as well, that's constantly running through my head that I'm not only now playing with game my own games in my head, but I'm dealing with playing with other people's games in my head. And so obviously uh, your efficiency and just capacity to be creative isn't always then spent on your own games Mm -hmm. Uh, because now you're creatively thinking of solutions for other people's games and trying to make their games a little bit better. So, uh, and I think the creative process um, is, is difficult to nail down, you know, where the solution is going to come from. Most of it is just actually being, giving yourself the freedom to to think about things and let your mind kind of tackle them. So um, to answer that question, I don't know if I did, but I think <laughs> there, there there's uh, pros and cons to full-time, part-time, and different versions of where you're spending your time. Yeah, so, and I d- definitely. I mean, we've taken on some development contracts from other little companies or big companies. Um, yeah. And it definitely skews your time a little bit when you're on the clock, uh, when you have... And when there's money on the table, right? Again, 
if there's money on the table, you feel kind of like you have to do something. Um, and when there's no money on the table, like let's say you don't have an advance, then you as the designer may feel a little less willing to work for that person or you know like why aren't they doing it they get 97 percent of the profit why aren't they doing that part of it yeah. so they're they're you know money is the root of all evil literally it kind of is um and it becomes problematic at times when it gets in the way of of things however at the end of the, the end of the day a lot of times money is what talks and so yeah. um you know, if somebody pays me, you know, 500 bucks, $1,000 to develop a game and they've paid me and they have a deadline, I'll meet it by that deadline. If, yep. a, if, a, if a publisher says, yeah, we don't know when we're going to get your game to the table, I'm going to leave it until they say, oh, here's your deadline. And yep. then when they tell me it's two months out, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about how that's going to work. It's a, diff it's a different kind of bandwidth, right? Totally, totally. I, I, I just had the opportunity in uh, the month of, of, of November, I, I took on a game that I had a hard one month uh, timeline. And, and at the time... Was it a dice game? It was a dice game. Uh, was it know, about things that came from like other from, places? From space. And they might invade places. They must invade you? Yeah. yeah something like that. And uh, it was funny because I never... It was, at the time when I took it on, I had total freedom of schedule. Um, and then when I actually had it, I, I started with IDW at the same time. So all of a sudden, you know, when I quoted, oh yeah, a month, I can do that. As crazy as that sounds, I had the bandwidth. And then as you work on other things and you need to juggle all those other commitments in life, a month was a stupid decision by me. I a hundred percent will not be taking a one month design challenge ever again. Uh, as cool as it was, and I'm very thankful for the the experience and the and the product. Um, you got to be realistic about what bandwidth you have, and so um, you need to protect that because when you run out of bandwidth, uh, cre creativeness is one of the first things you're going to lose. And yeah, oh, for sure. And so it goes by the wayside. Totally by the wayside, and so you can stick the time in, but if you are like uh, like Adam kept saying. You know, that the idea of that kind of stress is not desirable. There's a tipping point for sure when it comes to stress. And you need to make sure that you're free and flexible to be able to go to manage through the stress and make sure that it's realistic. So that would be my tip when it comes to uh, balancing your time and, and being realistic with creative. So before we go, though, I do want to just touch on because I think, uh, Sen, you do a yeah. great job of this, um, and you have a few examples that you can point to, but um, get, about self-promotion and the importance and influence that is. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe give a few examples of, I mean, A, the bamboozle effect, and, oh, yeah. and also then like when it comes to social media and then meeple syrup. Okay, so uh, self-promotion is super important in this industry in a lot of ways. Oh, look, it's Seth. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, Seth. Um, because, you know, your product is your product. Typically, you're kind of only as good as your last game um, or your very first game. Your very first game is also a good leader. Um, <clears throat> and so you constantly need to be kind of reminding people where you are with things, who you are, uh, what you're doing. And if people are interested in you and you're interested in them back, uh, they'll be more likely to open dialogue with you. Uh, and so Twitter, 
Twitter has actually really opened up a lot of things for me in terms of the speed at which it gets out there. It's different than Facebook because Facebook, people have to be your friends. Whereas Twitter, they could follow you or follow somebody else who follows you. Uh, and you're just kind of pushing information out in little bits, engaging a little bit back. Um, but what happens with things like Twitter is that you can take a quick snapshot of your, or Instagram even, but mostly with Twitter in the game industry, uh, take a little quick snapshot of your prototype and you know a couple words under 140 characters. That's all people want anyways. And it goes out. And you would be amazed at the number of people that have come back to me and said, oh, what's that about? Can I see that? In terms of publication, right? Um, and it's like, well, it's not really done yet. But if you're interested, I'll let you know when it is done. And so um, a couple of these things have turned into very positive results for, for me and, and the people that I'm co-designing with in terms of they see it, they like what it looks like. And we are so visual as, as people, as beings, that this is a very strong way of doing it. Um, Meeple Syrup has been really good because, you know, not only are Daryl and I putting our faces out there and our voices out there, when we get people into the studio <laughs> to do interviews and whatnot, um, they understand us, they understand our perspective, we understand them, we understand their perspective. And we're really just creating a dialogue in which we can communicate about the thing we all love, which is games, and come to under some understanding about that. Uh, and I think that we've all grown from our experience, Daryl and myself, um, from our experience through Maple, Maple Syrup, uh, in terms of doors that it's open for us, and also our growth in terms of insight into the industry from the outside in from a designer's perspective, but also from the developer's perspective, the publisher's perspective, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and just learning about people and their their viewpoints and where they are they come from on things, like advances or like, you know, whatever, um, Patreon or, or stuff that we're discussing that is potentially controversial or potentially has different sides to the story. Um, and so, yeah, we've used a lot of these things to really help us make a name for ourselves. Uh, Jay and myself, as the Bamboozle Brothers, we have a blog that is um, kind of one of the hallmark calling cards in terms of when anybody asks, how do you pitch to a designer, uh, to a publisher? I don't have to say it anymore. Oh, go to my blog at you know www.bamboozlebrothers.com. Somebody else will say it for me. Um, and that's been a really good thing. Uh, Jay did most of the writing for that to give credit where it's, where it's due um, because he was very interested in documenting the process. And it's that kind of thing where we get other designers coming back to us and saying, hey, we used your process. It worked. We got signed. Thank you so much. And that's heartening for us and that's good for us. And then it's also good to hear that, you know, a lot of people in this industry know who we are from our brand, which goes to what we're going to be talking about next week. I won't be here because I have exams to run. Uh, but Matt and Amber, who are two awesome, excellent people, come watch them talk about how to develop a brand for yourself as a designer. And yeah, just use the tools that you have, like Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, your website, et cetera, et cetera, to help yourself get out there, present your ideas. I know there's a bunch of platforms that are coming up, hopefully in 2017, in regards to a place where you can stick your portfolio that publishers might more readily come to if there's like 17 different, or you know, 117 different designers with their stuff there. So there's a couple of things that are coming up that might be good for brand development. 
again, you need to present yourself out there as a person. Uh, because I, I firmly believe this is this is what I've always believed um, uh, when in hiring processes, or as a uh, person who sits on um, acceptance or the you know um, academic acceptance committees that I pick people who I want to work with as opposed to what their skills are. <laughs> and it's um, I mean their skills have to meet a certain level, but if you're at this level but you're a total idiot, I don't want to work with you. Whereas if you're at this level, but you're a super nice person, I will probably want to work with you more than a total idiot who has more skill than you, right? Because I don't want that drama. Who wants drama? Daryl, do you want drama? Daryl no. doesn't want drama. But he does want to rap because we're running out of time. No, that's fair. No, that was awesome. I wanted to make sure to get uh, your insights on on especially the branding because uh, you won't be with us next week. People will hear uh, my thoughts next week, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, so with that, I just uh, I think this is a great topic. I hope people continue to think through, you know, the, the, this idea of design as your hobby, as your job, or that blur somewhere in between. Um, I I I think it's an important question to really evaluate as you as a designer. What are some of your goals? What's your long term strategy? What's your short term strategy? Um, be patient, especially if if you do want. Um, designed to transition into more of your job. It's going to be a process. It's going to take time. So don't uh, don't be afraid uh, to put in the time. And and you can do that by uh, maybe starting with it being a hobby and letting it transition uh, over time. Uh, I, I just want to say thanks to uh, all our viewers. Uh, thank you for your support. Anyone who uh, binge watches or binge listens, I want to give a plug. Uh, David Tomey does a great job of ripping the audios and posting them on iTunes. So if, you, if you're not familiar with that, please check that out. You can listen to our episodes uh, via iTunes or uh, you can find us on YouTube and we leave all our videos up there so that people can pick and choose which episodes they would like to uh, see. Uh, we, uh, we keep doing this just because, like Sen said, not only do we get a joy from this, but we also think that it really helps the community. Uh, it's really fun to, to meet and interact with uh, fans of the show. And, you know, I, I've had some great conversations with people that say, you know, I can't wait till I'm on the show where I, I have something to contribute as well. So we look forward to that. We look forward to uh, future conversations with you. Until then, keep making great games, and we look forward to trying your game soon. Have a great day. See ya.